Welcome to Fandom and Wellness, a podcast about the complex relationship between fandom and mental health. Disclaimer, we are not psychiatrists or psychologists. We are just fangirls with a vested interest in mental health. I'm Arkita. I'm Jenny. And I'm Danielle. And we're going to talk <laughs> about Dragon Con because we just came from it. Yeah, we don't normally do a recap, but we just got to spend some time together, so we figured, why not? We had a panel at Dragon Con called Fandom and Wellness, because that's the name of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we basically just talked about uh, our own experience with uh, fandom and its relationship with uh, mental health and mental health in uh, the media that we watch and we got some great feedback and it was great yeah and we got to have two surprise guests on the <laughs> panel that i love really surprises <laughs> yeah it was a heck of a surprise but i think it went overall pretty well having them mm-hmm. on i think they really added to the discussion with their own experiences as well yeah a lot of people visited my booth afterwards to say how much um they enjoyed the panel and how well organized they felt like it was, and <laughs> well, they hope we do it again next year and how they're going to be listening after that. Yay! So exciting. That was really fun. And then, so I was in cosplay, like, pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. It was an experience. At one point, I had three changes. I'm never doing that again. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> never doing that again. And uh, here's a montage on this audio format. <laughs> <laughs> But I got to see a ton of really cool cosplays. Um, Our last episode, we had Rachel on it, and I got to hang out with her and all of her friends and all of their several cosplays that they did. They had a Red Dead Redemption. They also had a Rikers, or Ryder, Rikers. It was Rikers. 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 A Star Trek one, and then uh, she brought out her Thrawn from Star Wars, her gender-bent Thrawn, which is really cool. Always, Always attracts people around. And yeah. Yeah, I talked I talked to her a little bit beforehand and she was saying that their room was just like I, I don't know, like each of them had like five cosplay builds and there's like five of them sharing a room <laughs> or I something was, like that. And yes. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I <laughs> was much. in that room and it's accurate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna say it's, it's accurate. Yeah. So then for me, like obviously I didn't get to leave my booth while I was uh, like during the daytime, I did get to hang out with you guys at night and we got to dance and have a lot of fun. Um, but during the day, it's really fun because like all of my customers and, and new people are coming up and they're giving me a lot of feedback about my company and our panel. And mm-hmm. it just really helps with my mental health and my depression and my imposter syndrome and everything because it makes me feel uh, like what I'm doing is really worth it. Which is great. I love yeah. it. I love how happy everyone is there. So overall, a fantastic time. Yeah, actually, I made the most sales at any convention as I did at this Dragon Con. Wow! This year, so. Damn, son. Mm-hmm. Damn. So, kudos. So I'm, I'm tired. But <laughs> I'm tired but excited. So yeah. tired and gonna keep being tired because you gotta yeah, make those dresses. I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's not for now. <laughs> no, that's not this exact moment. It's after we get off in an hour. Uh, so is there anything else you want to say about Dragon Con or do you want to move into the episode? Excited for next year. No mm-hmm. flight delays. 
No flight delays, hopefully. Don't, don't, don't fucking oh. jinx it. Knock on wood. I don't think my table's real wood. I already have my booth paid for. Arkita already has her pass bought. Jenny will buy her pass from me in the last minute. Uh, <laughs> That's how I roll, baby. It's okay. She gets to skip those lines. Um, <laughs> okay. So then let's go into the episode. On this episode, we will be talking about the impact of cartoons on children's mental and social development. We're going to get a bit nostalgic on this episode, so come take that journey with us. <laughs> uh, otherwise, you got. I guess you're going to go away and stop listening to this episode. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, yeah. So before we talk about the cartoons that made an impact on us as kids, we wanted to share some research we did about the benefits and negative effects of watching TV as children. Yep. Um, I did some research for this. Uh, and it was really interesting researching this topic um, because a lot of the first search results that anyone finds um, are badly cited parenting <laughs> blogs. And sometimes, like, weirdly religious websites, like, I'll read, like, blah, 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 violence in cartoons is bad, and they'll lead children away from your parents and your teachers and God. I'm like, and what? And baby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and God. I'm like, okay, oh, oh okay. Uh, so I did, so I had to, like, dig down and kind of trace them back to their sources and make sure the, the data they presented was accurate. Um, when Jenny says she did some research, she means that we did, like, a research paper for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dissertation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I was just thinking that studies are, like, great, and but they usually only apply to very specific situations, and they aren't always... 100% conclusive. So uh, I would take that in mind when we're uh, talking about this research. Uh, and that, with that in mind, uh, I found some statistics from 2009 and 2010 about how much TV children watch. And these studies were conducted by Victoria Rideout for the Henry J. Kaiser Family Foundation and Patricia McDonald for Nielsen. And Danielle will take it from here. So, on average, children ages 2 to 5 spend 32 hours a week in front of a TV, watching television, DVDs, DVR, and videos, and using a gaming console. Kids ages 6 to 11 spend about 28 hours a week in front of a TV. Yeah. And in addition to that, about 71% of 8 to 18-year-olds have a TV in their bedroom. In about two-thirds of the households, the TV is usually on during meals, and in 51% of the household, the TV is on most of the time. Yeah, I wonder what that would be if it was just, like, all screens, like, your phone. Right. <laughs> right. Now it's probably much more. Yeah. yeah. So, um, obviously, these are from, like, nine, ten, ten years, years ago. ago. So it's probably a lot different now. Um, but how much TV did you guys watch growing up? So I watched a lot of TV... But also not a lot of TV. So, like, my TV regulation was heavily monitored. Mm -hmm. um, and I so, like, I did also grow up in a divorced house after a certain age. So then the rules kind of changed after that. Okay. Um, but my TV up until the age of, like, 9 or 10 was, like, heavily monitored. I wasn't able to watch more than two hours or, like... Per day? Per day. No okay. more than two a day. 
if that. And then I wasn't allowed to watch TV until after all my homework was finished. Or if I was watching TV and my dad walked in, he's like, oh, is the cable box hot? As in, (laughs) it's the 90s. And you know, you put your hand on the cable box. If that thing's hot, that means it's time to turn it off. And they got hot really fast. So so I really was like, it was like, no TV. And then even then, it's like, turn off the TV, go read a book, turn off the TV, go do some math problems. We bought you a a math textbook. So Right. But it's so much easier now now to be like, turn off the TV. Okay, I'm gonna go watch on my iPad. Turn off your iPad. Okay, I'm gonna watch on my phone. Like, you know, turn it off. It's like going to watch it on my Kindle. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, Um, when yeah, when I was a kid, I I think it was the same as Arcado where we weren't allowed to watch TV until after doing our homework. There I mean there were I have four siblings, so the TV was definitely on pretty regular amount especially like the video gaming consoles like nintendo sega genesis um but my my mom definitely like at some point in time each day would just kind of like kick us outside into our backyard and be like okay you're spending two hours in the backyard and just like wouldn't let us back inside until like dinner time <laughs> effective just go out there make trouble don't effective, do any crime sure. don't make don't do crime though just Stay out of the house. <laughs> There's a lot of gray uh, area. Yeah. I, da- I-, I dare you to find a way to do crime in your own backyard. That'd be amazing. Oh, well, uh, murder, I guess. Um, <laughs> you I mean, there are some murder. There were five of us. <laughs> oh, that, oh, that's too many. <laughs> yeah. I love my siblings, um, but that's a lot of fucking kids. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, like, my... My youngest nephew has very limited TV access, and I can tell that based on how much his parents interact with him and limit his TV, that it has caused him to to be kind of advanced in his learning. So mm-hmm. he, like he's like learned how to like talk a little bit faster, and like because he's like imitating them more, and they're just like constantly talking around him. So it's kind of interesting to watch. Yeah, how much TV did I watch? Yeah, that's a great question that I asked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to remember. Yeah, I don't remember very well um because I don't think wow, my memory is bad. My memory is very bad. It's okay. Maybe we should start journaling. <laughs> I should definitely start journaling. I don't remember being particularly like controlled about it. So, I guess I just did what I wanted, man. <laughs> did you have TVs in your bedrooms? I did not, no. Arkita? Yes. So I did when my parents were together, and then I did when they split up and I was at my dad's place, but I did not have a TV in my mom's place. Okay. Okay. I did because I split my room with my sister, who was 10 years older than me. And so Mm. she got to have a TV in her room, and then when she moved out, I got to just keep the room and the TV. Nice. Yeah, you know, when I was, like, giant, when I say giant, I mean in, I guess, like, with <laughs> boxy TVs. It's probably, like, a 12-inch TV, but it was huge. Oh, you yeah. mean one of the plasmas that have, like, all that back to it? All that booty? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, all right. I remember those. Um, let's oh let's God. move on to um, talking a little bit more about the negative effects of TV on children. Sure. Yeah, so... Um, studies have shown that excessive exposure to TV is associated with delayed language development and kindergarten readiness skills. Um, it can also lead to attention disorders and sleep problems. 
And by the age of three, it's linked to behavior problems and long-term effects on social development, classroom engagement, and academic achievement. Mm-hmm. So um, more than like 10 years ago, and probably it's still an ongoing recommendation, the American Academy of Pediatrics um, issued its recommendation that children under two um, don't watch TV at all, and that older children watch only one or two hours per day. And most studies have kind of agreed with that and supported that stance. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to see like a young kid who has limited TV access watch TV because they get very immediately addicted to it and they don't want it turned off. Right. <laughs> so I I understand that logic. Yeah. Um, so then going back to what Arkita was saying, more time in front of the screen means less time for play and shared activities. Active, hands-on play and warm, responsive parenting nourish children's early development. Parents and caregivers of infants and toddlers can promote learning, achievement, and health by limiting television screen time. Yeah, and obviously that's the ideal scenario, but we also understand that these recommendations are not feasible for every parent, um, and you're not a bad parent if you don't comply strictly with these recommendations. Um, And it's important to note that sometimes privilege affects how much a working-class parent can supervise. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and so there's also been a lot of research done specifically about violence in media and its effect on children. And it's generally agreed that media violence is related to increases in uh, aggressive attitudes, values, behaviors, uh, which can be both short term and long term. Um, and of course, while it's important to supervise what your children are watching, uh, it's also important to talk to them about violence and discourage real life violence. Yeah, and one of my nostalgic um, TV shows that I loved, loved, loved to watch growing up that kind of addressed violence um, in a very, I won't, I won't say in a good way. I don't think that it's a good way to address violence, <laughs> but like they included it in their show was Static Shock. Um, mm-hmm. This follows the life of city kids like myself. They've had episodes around gun violence. Um, Virgil, his mother was a victim of gun violence and she was an EMS and she was killed. The father, who's also a social worker, and it's like in all these episodes with all the crime that happens in and around the city, um, Static Chalk is out there solving crime, but he also has his father to come back home to and his father's a very involved and concerned father and often meet he doesn't know that his son is the superhero, but he does openly talk to him about what's happening in the neighborhood, how to stay safe, how to take care of yourself and your friends. And I think that's something important. And that's not something you see a lot of in cartoons in general, mm-hmm. or even cartoons of that day. So what what kind of, I don't remember, I used to definitely used to watch it and enjoy it, but I don't remember it that well. Do you remember what crimes he kind of like fought? Your usual Super villain crimes. Okay. <laughs> you know, it, it was like, it's a DC comic. It's a okay. show based on a DC comic. So yes, he did have super villains. A lot of them were people that were also from the city. Right. So, you know, you kind of had that socioeconomic background for these people. And others were just straight, like, violent people in the in the town right. that he would also have to fight and defend his fellow citizens. So it it was a mix and it was a healthy mix. I think with a lot of shows and a lot of comics, they're all based on these like super villain type. They always have to have this super power that makes them bad. And 
some of the characters on that show were just inherently bad and it was just about that character like there is no powers it's just they are evil right cool yeah it's really it was really cool to see a black superhero because i can't even think of that many that were in that were like in the public eye at that point yeah then yeah. like john stewart from green lantern but yeah that's but he didn't have his own show like yeah, I, that was so. It's this episode is kind of funny because like I'm a little bit. So this episode's going to be a little bit fun for me. Well, I mean, all of them are fun, but because I'm a little bit older, so we'll see what's nostalgic for me versus you guys. So then there was an experiment with 351 second through sixth graders to determine the effectiveness of an active mediation strategy. So it encouraged children to focus on the feelings of the victim of violence in a cartoon. So. Boys who watch a cartoon without the mediation were more aggression-prone after viewing than a control group. Boys who received the mediation did not show an increase in aggressive tendencies. Neither the cartoon nor the mediation affected girls' aggression-proneness. So basically, if you have someone there to like explain what is happening, like the violence and the aggression, then it's less likely to act- actually like affect the child. Right. Right. And they like... If you make them empathetic and think about what the victim of violence is feeling, then they'll understand more why violence isn't funny or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reminds me of like when Max hits me, um, I will over. Max is her adorable nephew. Oh yeah, my nephew, nephew Max. Mom. <laughs> um, nephew uh, mom. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when Max hits me, I will over-exaggerate how much it hurts, even if it doesn't hurt that much. Sometimes it fucking hurts, man. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but even when it doesn't hurt, I'll over-exaggerate it so he doesn't, so he understands the effects and the consequences of his actions and his violence. Uh, so I think that's super important. Yeah, teaching children empathy is obviously vital um the show that's currently doing the best job of that like i think inarguably amongst most parents is daniel tiger's neighborhood which is based on mr rogers i think it i've, I've only seen a couple episode uh, episodes with my niece and nephews it's basically it's like the puppets from mr rogers it's a story about like their grandkids so, like, uh-huh. they're the cast on the show. So the show is super diverse because, I, I I mean, I think that the only white character of all the puppets is, like, the king and the grandkid. So there's, like, so there's, like, um, like, black doctors and, like, postmen and just, like, whoever. Like, so I assumed that everyone in this thing was a tiger, but nope. I'm guessing that's not no, true. I mean, there are tigers. <laughs> Okay. Because, <laughs> like, Daniel's grandpa is a tiger, so Daniel's whole family is tigers. He was the tiger that used to hang out with Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh! So, da- da- so Daniel Daniel <laughs> the is the grandson of the tiger that used to hang out with Mr. Rogers. Oh! Interesting. It's, a, it's an interesting concept. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's the show does an amazing job teaching empathy. It, like, asks what... Like Daniel and his friends are feeling like the parent, mm-hmm. like the parents on the show, like the parent tiger asks the Daniel tiger <laughs> what he's feeling, yeah. and it just it does a really good job of making it easy for parents to be able to create to create conversations with their children. Yeah, obviously that only works if the parent is kind of like paying attention to what the kid is watching. Right, but um, 
shows that showcase empathy, it is proven that it creates a lower rate of bullying with children. It decreases bias and greater levels of family cohesion. Um, mo- usually the kids have more compassion. Um, empathy is related to higher levels of pro-social behavior, lower rates of aggression, and more positive relationship with others. Um, usually like, I mean, the whole concept of empathy is just like being able to, if you can see something, you can be something, or you can see how other people can be it. Right. Yeah. So Daniel Tiger, 100%, go watch it. (laughs) I'm going to make my nephew watch it. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But yeah, I guess like jumping into some of the benefits of cartoons, uh, there's a lot of educational TV shows out there that were out there. Uh, such as Blue's Clues, Arthur, The Magic School Bus, that can help kids learn in an interactive and engaging way. They kind of contribute to improving the children's knowledge of math, geography, and vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I love seeing Ms. Frizzle cosplays at conventions. <laughs> yeah. Always the best one. Um, and then, like, Dora the Explorer is a great example of a children's cartoon, which I don't know if there's still current episodes. I think when we were looking it up, we said, like, they're still the recording an the episode was last month. But That's, it was right before the movie had come out. So I think the movie was, like, yeah, the end. That's so, so wild. She became a real girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wild. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, Dora's great because it's... it's you know, a female presenting protagonist. It's multicultural. It's multilingual. It's there's an emphasis on problem solving. It's well paced, so the talking is slow and deliberate, unlike my talking for tiny ones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's just like I don't know. Like kids can just learn a lot from watching it. Yeah. Also, kids who watch these social interactions in cartoon, they tend to then model their own behavior after the behavior of the characters in the cartoons. Yeah, and you can see that whenever, like, people like superheroes <laughs> and, like, they like watching them be super, but they also, kids especially, learn from their behavior, right? And so the cartoon that comes to mind when I think about that is Adventure Time. Do you guys watch Adventure Time? Yes. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever tried it? Yeah, no. I think I've watched a couple of episodes of it. And this was years ago. Say at least seven or something years ago and I just I couldn't get into it and I don't think I I also don't watch a lot of cartoons now in my older age that aren't Um, necessarily like Bob's Burgers (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think that's about it (laughs) but um Uh, I think Adventure Time is a good like I watch an episode here and there that's basically what I do and when I'm high so um (laughs) um so anyway, uh, there's like a couple episodes that I really think about when I think about Adventure Time um, and specific quotes because it has a lot of really good life lessons. Um, one quote I really like is, people make mistakes, it's part of growing up and never and you never really stop growing. That's like such a, like these are like for kids, but they're also for adults because yeah. people, even as they grow into adults, they think they, they hate making mistakes and they think they're done growing up at some point and we're not, right? We, we continuously learn and, uh, figure out what we're doing with our lives, you know? Yeah. Um, and same with like, dude, sucking at something is a first step toward being sort of good at something. It's easy for perfectionists, especially 
like us to like think we want to be perfect immediately, right? And that doesn't happen. It's slow and you suck at it at first and that's it. And I'll talk about one more thing is that um, another quote I like is you're getting all hung up on imaginary problems. You got to focus on what's real, man. And Are these all Finn quotes? What? Are these all quotes from Finn? Look, yes, I just realized that. <laughs> no, that's good. No, I mean, that's, that's great. I think you just like Finn a lot. Well, he he got he says some really wise shit because <laughs> that's that's anxiety right there, right? That's yes. you have imaginary problems that they haven't happened yet, but you foresee them happening, and you're not focusing on what is probably going to happen. And like, there's good things about having anxiety is that you can you prepare for the worst. But also you prepare for the worse. So like, <laughs> so it's like, there's a, you gotta like, keep it like a normal um, a level of anxiety. Or try to, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, well, like Finn's great, especially when he's dealing with um, the, what's the like wizard who's always like chasing after the princesses? The Ice King or something? Yeah, the, the, the Ice King. Um, I'm just gonna read the quote. Yeah, it's like, your constant harassment of the female gender makes me sick. Because he's like always literally imprisoning well, he's princesses yep. against their consent because he wants to marry them. Ooh, Yeah. Yes, it's <laughs> fucked up. But it's like, it's what happens in fairy tales, right? People, yeah. yes. princesses get kidnapped and then like, I'm gonna marry you. All right. I guess this is happening. Like, it sucks. I'm glad that it's acknowledged. Yeah. I also like um, Finn and Jake's relationship a lot because it shows a like, a very close platonic male relationship which you don't often see on shows um right without it having to be like uh as if it's like i don't know like no homo like you know what i mean right. like so, <laughs> like you're yeah. not it's not like you're sitting five feet apart in a hot tub because you're not gay yeah. um that's a vine <laughs> yeah <it's> like, <laughs> like if like no. basically like men are usually not allowed to feel feelings because that's like what society teaches them so it's nice to have a show that kind of encourages that yeah that's um, nice also i re- <laughs> also I, I love the episode where jake is being confused for another like dog thing that can grow really big and is stealing gold do you know what i'm talking about no There's, like, this creature that's that looks like jake as when he gets when he grows big and he's stealing gold and finn is riding along with him and he's like i don't know finn like what if i am the the monster and he's like you're not He's like, how do I know? It's when I, it's when it's when I'm asleep. And he's like, because I watch you in your sleep. I take oh pictures. Because <laughs> he's like a cute dog. And I'm like, well, that's relatable to me. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. It's yeah. like a, you know, man's best friend. It's mm-hmm. a dog. A very wise dog. Human's best friend. Other than Arkita, yeah. who's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, Matt, my cat hu- Human's really best friend is right their... Here. Fur or scale baby. So, yes. I hate that. <laughs> Fur or scale baby? Some people love snakes, man. Or turtles. I love scale turtles. Scale baby. Turtles. All right. I anyway. had a turtle for 18 years of my life. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So, one of the reasons why Adventure Time is so cool, though, is because of how uh, effectively it uses colors to communicate storytelling. It's a very, very bright show. Um, it's like a mm-hmm. lot of times, like, you know, softer pastel colors are commonly used to convey a sense of calm, and bright colors are used to stimulate activity, and there is so much activity on that show. 
Colors can play an important role in stimulating children before emotions due to how they are perceived during a child's stage of development. They like yes. images first capture children's attention before they understand any message, providing them with a world of symbols that reflect complex concepts to explain to a young child. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I watched a lot of pink shows growing up. And I don't like, even remember half of the shows that I watched. I just know that they all had something pink in them. Like, I definitely... <laughs> don't make fun of me. But I definitely watched Tokyo Mew Mew, and it was so bad. What is that? It's a really bad anime. But oh, it was, like, it was just... It was a pink show. Like, they were all cat girls. <laughs> ooh, ooh, okay. But, like, a lot of the shows that I watched when I was younger, like... Angelina Ballerina, stuff like that. Like, pink was the main focus. It's like, you saw the main character, and she's in pink, and she's really cute, and she's really sweet. And those are the shows that typically that I was attracted to. Before I knew that my favorite color was pink, now I know. Right. I mean, that makes it, that tracks. (laughs) (laughs) But to your point, like, you, the stimulation you get from these shows, like a lot of superhero shows, I think I had taken a class years ago on color and color theory and how they kind of play with lots of blues and oranges because of how well they contrast, like within the blue, orange and red scheme and how those are so popular among superhero colors because they kind of emit this powerful aura around them and people who Mm. like superhero stuff kind of tend to gravitate more towards those. I like red and gold personally. (laughs) All right, cool. Wow. (laughs) Flex, but okay. (laughs) She's talking about Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so to continue with the superhero vibe, the Batman animated series was a show that I loved when I was a kid. I think it came out when I was about six years old. It obviously had a lot of complex psychological issues in it that I don't know that I necessarily understood as a kid. And it's uh, fun to go back and rewatch them um, to listen to like the Arkham Sessions, which is Andrea Letamendi's podcast along with them. Um, Arcade, I know you also really love that series. Um, I do. The thing about that show is it came out when I was like two years old. Yep. So it's it's a show that yes it 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 is kind of nostalgic for me but I didn't really get into it until I was like thirteen or fourteen okay. when they were reruns so I was right already older when it when I was starting to watch the show okay I don't think my parents would have allowed a two year old to watch that <laughs> <laughs> just putting that out there like I was like <laughs> but to your point yes the the characters were very complex and the way that they did play with color on the show they portrayed everyone as I won't say it was as bad as the current DC movies out because it was all it was brighter it was also wasn't filmed super dark. But you could tell by just watching the show that you knew it was going to be a dark show and the emotions you felt around it were going to be like pain, anguish. Like there were going to be some very strong and deep emotions. And I think you really got attached to a lot of the characters on that show and how the way it was told. I think they did an amazing job playing with color in a way that was able to tell like a captivating story for children to be able to understand whether or not they understood like the trauma that these different characters were going through and still be interested and have fun watching this show while adults could also watch it and be like, Oh shit, these are based on the comic books and they are amazing. 
Right. Yeah. Um, also, re- <laughs> real quick, because you were mentioning like not being able to watch this type of stuff when you were two. Whenever we, <laughs> my, <laughs> we basically spent like me and my brothers spent like almost every weekend at my grandma's house, and she would take us to Easy Video, which was the video rental store, and she would let us rent whatever we wanted, and we always rented like. Nightmare on Elm Street and like Puppet Uh-oh. Master and just like, all horror nope. movies. And I don't know nope. why she allowed us to do that because we were legit like five years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's a note for me, dog. That is young. Uh... It, yeah. It, yeah. As long as we watched um, Jeopardy and Mr. Bean with her. It was... She don't give a fuck. She don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. And my mom. Weird. Never the wiser. <laughs> weird trade off. But okay. <laughs> Cool That's so funny. Weird flex. I would oh. weird flex, but <laughs> she loved Mr. Bean. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so <laughs> I mean, like, there's a there's obviously a lot more we can say about the Batman animated series, but I I know that a lot of um, mine and Arcado's love for it uh, is based on when we're a little bit older, and so we want to keep this more based on um, how it affects children. So. Let's move on to the X-Men animated series, um, which also came out around the same time as the Batman animated series. Um, I'm realizing that now, but my parents let me watch that. What? (laughs) (laughs) They let me watch the X-Men, but they did not let me watch the Batman. Oh my god, all the characters have such, like, traumatic pasts. (laughs) I think they let me watch it because Storm was in it. Oh, mm -hmm. I could see that. I think that I... Out of all of the sh- the superhero shows that I did grow up watching, more of them were people of color. And yes. I say this, and I'm going to tell you a really funny story. I didn't own my first Barbie until I was like 12 years old or 13 years old. And I wasn't allowed to have Barbies, A, because she was white, and I definitely had ah. way more black dolls growing up. Yeah. And then B, my dad was like, you can't have Barbies because she's a bimbo. And I was like, hey, oh, Barbie cool. sometimes is a doctor. Ken is the I bimbo. Know. Barbie was a gymnast. Barbie, so like my obsession with Barbie came later on when I realized she was all these cool things. Um, also, Barbie's doing a lot of really cool things now. She still do. She ran for presidency. Okay. Well, anyone can do that now, but. <laughs> oh. <Hello>. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I I do will say that the fact that they were more diverse characters and that X-Men did not look as dark as Batman, my parents were okay with me watching that. Also, I grew up with um, a lot of my uncles were super nerdy. Like, I remember getting my first comic book when I was eight years old. Did I really know what it was or how to take care of it? No, because I accidentally ripped it. But... I know, and I think back, and I was like, oh my god, what was I thinking? Um, but it was X-Men comics, and that's kind of what kind of started that me. That makes sense. Yes. I hope that wasn't worth a lot of money. Um. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, X-Men is definitely not as dark, um, literally. Yeah. Like, the, <laughs> the, like, take place in the night. Like, the, star, <laughs> the storytelling isn't quite, yeah. Um, and like, yeah, like, Batman... Like, as we know, like, the whole, like, Joker and Harley thing romanticizes abuse, um, Mm -hmm. which I do sometimes think about if that affected my choices in relationships versus if my choices in relationships affected how much I loved Harley Quinn. But, um, 
always interesting concepts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, X-Men, one of the best concepts of it is just that it deals with othering. So it's a show that like anyone who doesn't quite feel like they fit in would love, especially yeah, like mm-hmm. as a kid. No, and I, I feel like I was going to say that whole othering situation, that's me growing up as a child in Brooklyn, but all of the schools that I went to, literally first grade through junior high, I was in a Jewish neighborhood or a white neighborhood. So it was like a very jarring experience going from where you live, where it's everyone like you, and then you're going to school and not quite as many kids are like you. And then it's like, you're still othered within all of the groups. So where do you fit in? We, right. Weird, weirdly, weirdly enough, the thing, one of the things they edit out of the show is that, um, uh, is that Magneto is a Holocaust survivor. Oh, they really? Took that out? Yeah. Yeah. The show, the show is actually like pretty censored. Um, for, <laughs> I mean, like it's not, <laughs> and then it is for things that don't make sense to be censored. Uh, it just says he's like, I don't remember, like a war. I guess like, survivor the or something like is that. Is a like, very heavy subject to address. Sure, but they but they, they they address other things that are complex for children to understand. It's just, it's a weird thing to leave out, but right. I, interesting. Hmm. It was the nineties. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's also it's but. it's cool because like I mean like I've had anxiety since I was a kid, and that show, like like Rogue's character, and um, it wasn't in the X Men animated series. It was. Another X-Men animated series that came after it where they were, like, in high school? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think that's the one I'm thinking about. <laughs> oh, no! So that, that one had Scarlet Witch in it. Wait. And so I remember, I remember like, um, like feeling a lot of feelings for, like, Rogue and Scarlet Witch in those two different X-Men series because of how much anxiety they have. Um. But yeah, something they don't really edit out is how, ha- I mean, there are a lot of female protagonists, which is really, really cool. But something they don't edit out is how, like, much they decide to sexualize them. Mm-hmm. Like, they have Rogue, like, make out with, like, an unconscious Cyclops at one point. Ooh, what the? What? Yeah. There's, I mean, there, the 90s definitely um, was a lot of, like, I don't know, like, uh, hyper masculinity and like mm-hmm. over sexualized women and like that's what the cartoons that were available to me as a child were okay yeah so i think i'm thinking of the other one where they're all in high school that one is X-Men awesome X-Men evolution I don't like x-men evolution and i loved it as a kid yes but i love i think that's what i am when you're talking about Nightcrawler? i was like i don't remember Great. any of this x-men evolution everyone else was super badass there <laughs> Oh my gosh. I feel like this isn't the first time we're like, it's the same thing. And we're like, no, we're totally talking about two different things. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. Whoops. But yeah, no. I th- you can borrow You can borrow my X-Men animated series if you want. I have yes. the whole thing. It's the first thing I ever bought at a convention that I vended at in like, I don't know, 2007 or something with St. Mark's Comics. Nice. Like a bootleg. <laughs> I heard the siren song of the opening oh my credits, God. and I was like, "I need this." <laughs> nice. I, I think okay, so that's what my parents allowed me to watch. I don't think it was the X Men animated series. I do remember watching it, but I might have been older when I watched that. But I did watch Evolution. That makes more I sense for your would... age that you that you were watching uh, X Men Evolution. Yeah, I was like nine. Yeah, yeah, that makes so, more sense. 
So I did watch that. And I think that was them being like, it's another teenage show. It's okay. Mm -hmm. But they did delve into a lot of like some heavy subjects in that show. I mean, the X-Men universe is just heavy subjects. It's just what it it is. (laughs) Just in general, (laughs) X-Men is just sad. Um, It's And it's weird to think of it like it is a kid's show, but it's a kid's show that adults were definitely watching. Yeah. So it has to do the job of entertaining both. Yes, and I think I liked that show a lot more because it I, it was diverse. You had Storm, you had her nephew Spike, which I don't think I ever saw him again outside of the show. Um, but I I enjoyed it. Cool. All right, I wanted to talk about um, probably one of the more the most formative cartoon for me as a child, which is Powerpuff Girls. Mm-hmm. A show, um, a show but- where they were not sexualized at all. <laughs> no. I would hope not. Oh my god. Dude, whatever. Um, <laughs> so I guess there wasn't a male writer, so it's <laughs> Um the reason why I uh identified so much with the Powerpuff Girls was because it was three sisters and then I have two sisters, so it's three sisters. Aww. And I identified with Buttercup. I was gonna say I need to sister. know which one you were. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was, really? Yeah. Butter- that, does, so, that doesn't shock I was, me. I was the Oh my god, I was the aggressive, rebellious person, <laughs> which is so Buttercup. Obviously, my older sister was Blossom as the leader, and my younger sister is pretty, like, naive and sweet. So, like, it it, it tracked. So, like, I identified so much, and um, I was obsessed with Powerpuff Girls. And I loved how different each person was, and they weren't, like, all a traditionally female role right um because blossom's a leader which you, you don't see women being leaders that often um or at that age or at that age right um and like especially for buttercup i'm like i'm angry you're angry we feel each other you know basically like, yeah with um, buttercup it's like okay to show her anger which a lot of times with women it we're right. told that it's not okay yes and you're taught that at a young age and like that's mm-hmm. part of her superpowers yeah and probably I could have stood to show my anger a little less, but you know that's fine. Um, I, I love I love that you're Buttercup, and like it makes so much sense to me because you're the sweetest person on earth. And I like to joke that you're a secret Slytherin, even though you're the most Hufflepuff human ever. I'm a Buttercup baby. <laughs> oh my god! Which one would you be? Me? Both of you? Oh, you Arkita is Bubbles. Come on, no, I'm not. <laughs> Come on, no, I'm not. What do you I think have... you are? I don't think you're naive. I don't think any of us are naive. Well, not naive, but like a sweet, like kind of uh, optimistic. I would say I'll take whichever one's well, left over. So who do you want to be? I would say you're definitely Blossom Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> I you, gonna... you can be Buttercup too if you want. I think also Buttercup. I mean, I don't know. I was gonna go with what was the. I was going to say I'm more of a Miss Bellum, but maybe I'm not, because I'm not that sexy. (laughs) One of my best friends likes to say that he is Bubbles when she's dressed up as Buttercup. No. (laughs) No, wait, I just, I changed my mind. I'm Mojo Jojo. I can't deal with you. (laughs) Do you not, Miss Bellum is the, um. She's the one with no face. The no face. the teacher. Oh yeah. my god, you are Miss Bellum. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? Well, she, she even has like this old-fashioned dress. Yep. Right? That's oh. why I clapped. Because I could... Yep. 
I could picture it. <laughs> it's I interesting. Should do that. Why do you think? Why do you think she didn't have a face? You know, I don't know. She was also brown. Like I don't care what anyone says. She was brown. I don't remember. She was definitely tanned. Okay. <laughs> have you Have you guys watched any of the newer episodes? Not really. No. no. So like they introduced a um and another sister, Bliss, who is a black sister, and there was like uh, yes. Apparently, obviously, a stupid backlash over the internet Yikes. about people ruining, about the show ruining their childhood, which makes no sense, because they did oh. not eliminate Blossom Buttercup or Bubbles, they just added another right. sister. Um, what, can I, Arkita, can I ask you, like, what that would have meant to you as a kid? I think as a kid, I probably would have watched it way more, because, like I said, I tended to watch more shows centered around... Um, black, African American, or any other person of color than I would mm-hmm. with like a white character. And it's not to say that I didn't identify with them. I, it was just more comforting to see that on the screen. And it, and even then in the 90s, it was a hard thing to do. So it was like there were way more shows with white leads and white protagonists than they were of any other ethnicity. So like I had to, me and my, my family essentially had to work really hard to find that for me. And so if, if that had existed when I was younger, I definitely would have paid way more attention to, to the Powerpuff Girls. And I loved the Powerpuff Girls growing up, but I just was like, in my head, I was like, well, everyone's white, which is also <laughs> why I couldn't get into Full House. Cause I was like, everyone's <laughs> white. <laughs> No thanks. The White House. Like, it's a cute show, but no thanks. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, like I, I obviously can't see how it's a bad thing to add another sister. It's like you're rebooting the series. Why not make it more interesting and more like like yes. and, <laughs> better for and more also people? Like, what other supervillain is out there that they might not have already encountered? There was one episode where they literally encountered every single superhero at the same time. <laughs> so why not just introduce someone new? Like, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. So. I also really get upset when people say, you ruined my childhood. Blah, 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 blah. Ghostbusters. Like, oh, my God. Ariel. Oh, my God. And like, oh, yeah. the no one went back exists. in time and did anything to your childhood. No one did anything. You can still go back and watch and enjoy these things. You don't have to watch the new one if you don't want to. So, like... Like, I feel that way about a lot of things that have been rebooted. And in my head, I'm like, well, you know what? It's for somebody else. They'll enjoy. I'm not going to watch it. Like, that's, it's literally, that's it. That's the end of the the conversation. You don't need to have a petition. You don't need a boycott. You don't need a riot. Like, yeah. Just just mind your business. I don't know. It's like, know what ruined little black girls' childhoods? Never being able to be seen in any of these shows with only white leads. So, like, props, props to Powerpuff Girls for... Adding a character of color. <laughs> like, but. But. Yeah. I, I, I told Jenny I do have problems with Powerpuff Girls as much as I, I do. I do like the show. But um, it does have problems with transphobia. There is an episode on the newer one called Horn Sweet Horn. Where they basically like, it's supposed to represent a unicorn transitioning. Or, well, I guess a horse transitioning into a unicorn. Right. But they, like, rip off the fake horn that it's wearing, and then they make fun of it, that it's not a real unicorn, and then they, and then Bubbles becomes friends with it, because she wants to be friends with a unicorn, and the whole episode is about Bubbles' feelings, not the unicorn's feelings. 
And then they force the unicorn to go through, like, a life-altering procedure to become a unicorn. And they make them, like, sign all these waivers to, like, remind trans people about, like, just how life-altering the surgeries are. The whole episode, whoo, what an attempt. What a failed attempt. Basically, it's what happens when you just don't ask trans people for advice on your episode that you're about to put out. To like be like, we love trans people. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's right. It's white feminism, and, in the and end, it's like she like the the oh, unicorn oh, was oh. a unicorn all along. Ooh, yeah, at the end, like the the main like gets like brushed away, and it had a horn the whole time. What? Right. To to say that like <laughs> trans women are really women. Like okay, it's it's it's, it's a clunky as fuck. Yeah. It's a lot, and I also remember like. The character of him, mm-hmm. or H, is it him or H-I-M? I call it him. I, I call him him. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I, I remember as a kid thinking that was a transgender character and thinking that they were super freaky. And the argument that a lot of people have is like, well, the character's not freaky because they're trans, they're potentially transgender. They're freaky because, like, they have, like, that wild voice and they're like a... They're like a cross a between like a lobster and like a horse and like a Satan or something like that. And it's like, okay, I understand that the reasons that the character is terrifying is not because they are transgender, but you still made it a character that represents transgender people. Like it's it's still coding. Uh, I don't know whether he's transgender or just a cross dresser. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't know either. But I know right. that a lot of people read that into it, and it's dangerous for the people who right. do. Especially because it's pretty much the only example of cross-dressing or transgender people, yeah. probably in the media. Yes, yeah, and like, and that's something that like children at that point, especially like children yeah. are like shown. This character is like a super evil character, right? So right. it's a little bit, and there's other examples on the, on the show of like, like the I don't know. There's other examples throughout the show, and it's just, they, ha- they, they, yeah, there's always something, I don't know. I mean, there's another character on the show that's, like, I think it's on, like, their roller hockey team or roller derby team or something like that, and it's, it's a woman, and they make fun of her because she has, like, hair and is, like, large, mm-hmm. and so they're saying she, like, looks like a man mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, it's, they, there's... Several examples throughout the series on right, so how they can do better in that area. I think I think that a lot of cheap comedy, which can be in cartoons, is one gender dressed as the other. Yes. And like there's that um episode where three big dudes dress as the Powerpuff girls. Mm-hmm. And it's a classic one. And it's funny, but also you have to think about why that's funny to yep. you. As a right? ki- as a kid, it, it's like that's what you're told is funny, so that's what's funny. But there's genuinely men who dress femininely with be- full beards, but also full makeup. Yeah, and yeah. they're not trying to be funny; no. they're trying to be themselves. No, exactly. You're and, if right. a, and if a kid is shown that and is like, "You should laugh at this," oh, that's like what right. they grow up thinking, and then you have to like dismantle that within your own brain, and it just creates unnecessary work. <laughs> I did see somebody cosplay that at Dragon Con. Hmm. Right. I remember that episode. I'm not trying, and, and in no way do I want to defend it, but I think that was the episode where they broke out of jail and were dressed as the Powerpuff Girls to do crime. 
Right. So that, but to that, it's still like. But there's also the. I mean, to be fair, it was also the people mistake them for her the actual Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> the people the in com- that town were stupid. <laughs> the so comedy much. is also in that they are like they look very distinctly different because they are physically very different from the Powerpuff Girls. So there is like comedy in that, and it makes a bit of sense. But like, but there is always there's comedy in a lot of different cartoons and even and other media where. The comedy is in in uh, one gender dressing as the other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else you want to say about Powerpuff Girls? So another, some more research I found was that um, the media promotes girls' concerns about their appearance and the idea that they should treat their bodies as objects. And that's concerning in cartoons and in adult media as well. And we mentioned earlier that luckily Powerpuff Girls is not that kind of show, but um, research has found that exposure to appearance-focused TV content increases body satisfaction among five to eight-year-olds, which is crazy, a crazy young age for girls to be focusing on their body, you know? I mean, Um, it, it makes sense. I mean... It does, but it sucks so bad. And like, the... The repercussions of that, like, echoes throughout your life, you know? Yeah, I, I also like that Powerpuff Girls is, like, I mean, they're all, like, these tiny little mushes. You know what I mean? They're just kind of, you know what I mean? They're kind <laughs> of just, like, little, little mushes. Like, you know what I mean? They're not, like, stretched out, like, super right. thin. Mm-hmm. All their bones there's are visible. Not, yeah, there's no way to get body dysmorphia from a Powerpuff from Girl at, unless yeah. oh, God. you want to look like a Powerpuff Girl. Yeah, and you've you've seen those like real life imagining like artist yes. renditions. Oh my god, let's move on because I don't want to even think about but, that anymore. <laughs> but I mean, to that point, I I kind of want not to bring up another anecdote from my own life, but a lot Wait, of this you're you're, bu- you're about to. Now. I'm going to, and you can't stop me. I don't know, she edits the show; she could edit. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. Go, go ahead. Damn it. Well, like. I will say that there were a lot of shows growing up that were just based around, like, shows in general were gendered. There were boy shows, and then there were mm-hmm. girl shows. And then a lot of the shows That's that true. were targeted towards girls, I will say a lot more of the live action shows really centered around, like, oh my god, this boy, oh my god, my lip gloss, the glitter, la 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 la. <sighs> That's funny. And I think that, like, yes, your parents aren't going to be able to monitor everything you watch, um, but I was lucky enough to make sh- that my parents knew to monitor everything that I watched. I didn't watch a lot of these shows until I was older because my parents heavily monitored everything that I watched. And again, it's like a case by case scenario, how involved your parents can be in watching TV. And I think it wasn't until I was older and started watching these shows that I did really care about my parents. But I think that I ended up having a more positive outlook on the way I saw my body um, That's good. than I would have if I were younger watching these shows because kids absorb everything that they see on TV. It's it's hard to say don't let your kids watch these shows because they're going to watch it. They're going to find a way to watch it, especially in this day and age. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like talk to them about their body and say, you know, the way you look isn't the way 
your best friend's look isn't the way your cousin's look isn't the way your uncle is not your body is not going to look the way the people on the tv look and your body is your own these tv shows they're kind of there to make you insecure or make you buy all these things to feel better about yourself but the only thing that's going to make you feel better about yourself is you i think at some point when you get older take the initiative for yourself to be like, you know, this is what I saw in the past. I'm going to break this chain and I'm not going to let all the societal pressures of looking extremely feminine get to me or looking a certain way as a woman or as a boy or as whatever you you identify as. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, just slightly piggyback off what you're saying. Like I, I do remember like, like much earlier than makes any sense. I remember like, wanting to be seen as sexy and i wonder if how much of it had to do with like watching shows that were definitely should have been a little bit more monitored Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i never wanted to be feminine but i wanted to be sexy right and it's because i don't know if it's because of watching like how these characters that i loved interacted with like other characters on the show i mean we can talk about this forever but um I think the last thing I would say on it is, um, people, we are, we trained from a young age to see ourselves from the male gaze. That's just how it is. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Um, but moving on. 100%. So, um, so the next show that we want to bring up is not a nostalgic show. It's a current show. Um, but we would be remiss not to bring it up during this episode. Uh, it is Steven Universe, which my co-hosts have not watched. Um, I'll get to it. It's okay. I'm not going to get to Look, it. That's wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> God damn it, Arkita. <laughs> I don't want to shame people for not watching choice. a show, but this show is, it's, you. it's, oh my God. Anyway. No, I feel like I've just gotten to a point where everyone's always talking be like, do you watch it? Do you watch it? Have you watched it? And then try to tell you to watch it. And it's like that act of rebellion while like, no, I'm not going to watch well, it. Well, I got to tell you, this act of rebellion is a little foolish in this scenario. And every other one, I agree with you. But in this one, anyway, Steven Universe is just an extremely diverse cast. Most of the main characters are female presenting non-binary. They are, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're crystal gems. So they're, they're not right. actually like humans. Um, right. Yeah. Um, a lot of the show deals with like consent. It deals with trauma. It deals with having to leave your home. Um, it deals with so many real issues. I, I mean, I, I cannot talk a medium amount about this show. So I'm only going to talk a brief amount because otherwise I will have to talk an entire episode amount about it. The amount of mental health things on that show are just, so like, just for, for an example, like, so Garnet, who is my favorite character on any show ever, um, you should skip ahead like a minute if you don't want to hear this spoiler. Garnet, is basically Ace. She, throughout the most show, is just alone and she is full of love and she is the only person she wants to be with. And then, at like, I think the end of the first season, you find out that Garnet is a fusion of two different lesbians. It deals with, like, the concept of another character on the show who's a lesbian um, being a turf when uh, there's a depiction of Steven and his best friend um, as like a trans character, like it just mm-hmm. all these issues that so it deals with concepts that a children's show would never ever deal with. It's just it's so 
ahead of its time. It's there. There is no other show like it. There has never been another show like it. Every show should learn from it. It's so fucking amazing, and I really wish everyone would give it a try. The episodes are seven minutes long. The first, like, half of the first season is it still trying to find its place, but then once it finds its place, it is the best show on television. Uh, and Estelle Darling as Garnet is the best person. Um, yeah, um, and, like, I really like this quote from Rebecca Sugar, who's the creator of the show. She says that um, animation is a great tool to expand people's visual language when it comes to what a couple looks like and to create gender non-conforming characters that are so compelling that you can't deny their humanity. Mm-hmm. That is like, I don't watch the show, but I love that. It's, quote. It's true. It's like, uh. yeah. Um, and by believing in them, they are already a reflection of your humanity. And that's, the problem with a lot of, like, uh, persecution is the lack of um, acknowledgement that someone is just like you and just and human. You know. Yeah, it's they're, yeah. they're the most empathetic characters. They like they teach empathy. They, <laughs> I love this show so much. We're gonna get you an episode, Danielle. We're gonna get it. What, can I just can I just like have you watch like one episode? They're literally seven minutes long. I'm not normally like this. I normally don't give a shit what anyone watches ever. <laughs> this is the one okay. show where like, I actually think it benefits people's lives to watch. Yes, okay. you can do that. I'll send you I one, you do that. one seven-minute episode, and that way it doesn't right. matter if you don't like it. I'm giving you seven minutes of my life. <laughs> yes, seven <laughs> minutes in heaven. <laughs> Steven, U- <laughs> Steven Universe 7. Um, Steven Universe fans, shoot me a message with your suggestion on which episode to send to Arkita. I have some in mind, but... <laughs> I'm gonna secret this. I'm gonna de-secret this. Uh, we're gonna have Rebecca Sugar on this show. Oh my god. That's a little... Um, or at least someone from the show. Okay. That's what my... That's a target, because th- it's so important to you. That's... Don't... Um, I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm literally sweating at this moment. Oh my god. <laughs> I I want okay. I'm gonna move on now to my uh, one of my other favorite shows, which is SpongeBob, which I know Arkita doesn't care for. <laughs> I do love SpongeBob, and it's funny because the whole time you're talking about Adventure Time, I'm you know thinking about SpongeBob because I think the sense of humor is so similar. It's similar. It I think SpongeBob is very unique. Yeah, I mean it predates it. Like I think I think the writers of Adventure Time watched SpongeBob and were like, we can do another version of this. <laughs> and, uh, you just don't ca- you you just don't care about it, right, Arkita? No, I I did grow up watching this show. Okay, you do, you um, did. Okay, I think I got to a certain point where I stopped thinking it was funny, and okay. I was like, you know what? It is very juvenile humor. Yes, yes. but I also think it's very like meme like humor. Oh like, yeah, it's right. <laughs> yeah, SpongeBob has blessed us with some memes <laughs> that right? will never end. Um. I feel like that's one of the few shows that you just keep getting a new meme every month out of. It just, there's a new one already. It was, so like, I don't know how old you guys are when that show came out, but it was very different from anything else that was on at the time. Yeah. It's, there's so many iconic moments that like, I have have a bad memory, but I will, I have these burned into my mind. Like, uh, when, Spongebob thinks that he's ugly because Patrick can't smell or 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 something like that it was like 
<laughs> and like when and like just the crusty crab is so iconic and like the pride he Squidward, takes in his job and squidward is like squidward and spongebob are such a dynamic duo right <laughs> and like i know everyone like says they realize they think squidward is like a like uh uh, uh, Killjoy, and then they realize they are Squidward once they grow up and become an adult. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I'm <right>? Patrick. No, <laughs> still, <laughs> I'm Patrick. Um, and like, I also thinking about it, I realized that it portrays adulthood in a way that is like weirdly accurate at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, SpongeBob is like a gem in that i don't know anyone who's that excited to go to work but like <laughs> well i raised my hand <laughs> but every like, single day though i love working <laughs> okay <laughs> but like there's like a thing to it where it's because he has a very specific mindset because Squidward works the pretty much the same job at the same place but it's all about how you think about your job and the things you do right and um, it's really interesting to see that as a child, to think optimism can get you through life and like make you less depressed if you are able to like kind of change your mindset about things. I will say, adding on to Squidward being a killjoy, I don't think he is. I saw somebody say something recently. Um, and thinking back on it, I can kind of agree with what they're saying. Is Squidward really takes pride in his self care? Yeah, like, you're he right. He really <laughs> does. He plays his clarinet. He paints. He does all these he like his, all these artistic <laughs> outlets because he's stressed. He's like, I'm going to take care of myself and do all these things. So. I think that's one way of looking at adulthood and trying to be a responsible adult is having these outlets for yourself. Um, also, right. I wanted to throw in, <laughs> what was the episode? You know what I'm talking. I don't know if you'll know. You remember when we were stuck at the airport for 15 yes, million hours? Yeah, oh, is that what it was called? Yes. <laughs> Where it's like you turn around for a second. Oh, the plane's left without us. <laughs> Yes, it was. Yeah, it was the episode where um, SpongeBob was stuck at in rock bottom, and he had to. He was. He kept trying to catch the bus, but every time he even like turned away, he was the the bus was there and gone. And in case anyone (laughs) does, I don't think anyone knows where we like. We got off the airplane. They forced us to get off the fucking airplane. We left for like 20 minutes to get some food. And when we came back, they were gone. And we were like, well, today we are SpongeBob. But the thing is, they told us an hour and a half until the plane would leave. So the fact that we were gone 20 minutes. It was ridiculous. And the plane was gone. And and we were joking about how... We sh- we wanted to get a snack, but we were so afraid that they would somehow have the plane land, get everyone on it, and then leave without us again. Like it was, oh my god! It was, and I was, and I was like, that is the epitome of adult anxiety right there in that one episode. <laughs> That's, um, you said an hour and a half, not twenty. Minutes. <laughs> we're still bitter. <laughs> I mean, when you miss your flight, you're always bitter. It sucks. I know. Uh, but, like, <laughs> oh no! Especially when you have to like go 
to a hotel at like 11 o'clock at night and get back at 4 a.m. But um, someone has a bad experience too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love that they, um, when they introduced like a main female protagonist on the show, Sandy, they mm-hmm. basically, they like, I mean, <laughs> they had her kind of had more, have more masculine qualities. And SpongeBob was like the more emotional one. I'm trying to think. She and she had because she was a squirrel. She was wearing that like suit mm-hmm. that was kind of like an astronaut suit, mm-hmm. but scuba suit, scuba diving. I guess. Um, but it was like super bulky, and she did like have like. I mean, her personality, bikini. like what would typically be gendered as more a more masculine personality, and SpongeBob was kind of gendered as a more feminine personality, at least when they interact. I'm just saying in addition to Oh, okay, that. okay. Yeah. <laughs> just like overall, she was just not a f- super feminine character. And she like bikini on at, like underneath that, but it's the beach, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So it's, and she knew karate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, she was a pretty cool character. Yeah. But even outside of that, she had like really good survival skills. Which you right. don't typically see in any female character or any female presenting character. It's like, oh no, I broke a nail and I'm running in heels. Well, can't help you with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, hilariously enough, I still drink my drinks with my pinky out, which I learned on SpongeBob in that <laughs> episode. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, because they're trying to be fancy. Um, I actually, I, I kind of wonder if SpongeBob is on the autism spectrum. Because of I thought so. because of his excitement in how he acts like when he's going to work and just his general optimism towards life. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the spectrum is so wide and everyone acts differently. But just like how he like he has to use like the same spatula when he is cooking his uh, Krabby right. Patties. When Mr. Krabs tells him to like go home and like have a day off, he like does not know what to do for himself because he has like a pretty rigid routine. Um, just like little things like this, like his inability to understand that Squidward does not like him. I think Squidward likes him. Yeah, he secretly does like him. It's shown in different episodes, but he definitely would prefer SpongeBob for the most part. Would you know, scooter at a distance? <laughs> yeah, at um, a distance. Yeah, so I wonder if that's like, you know, kind of an interesting portrayal for kids to see at a young age. Yeah. Um. Through a quick research, it's like he can't read social cues that well. Yeah, um, he takes things very literally. He has very specific special interests, which are all kind of things that people with autism might have. Mm-hmm. So it's he certainly again we're saying might. It's not that everyone who's yeah. on the autism spectrum shows these symptoms. Yeah, I, I mean he's just such a lovable just- character that I think it would be kind of cool if he actually is written as that. Yeah. So another wacky show that I definitely loved growing up was Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, that was definitely, I think, it came a little later in terms of nostalgia years, but still at a young age. But that one resonated a lot with me because it was a show about imaginary friends, and I definitely had lots of them growing up. I also didn't have that many friends growing up, so the fact that it was a show like this like there's never been anything like this and also 
it, it kind of comes in a sense of choosing your own family, which I know so many of us have had to do or have done or are doing. They're your support system. And I think that's what really was important about that mm-hmm. show. Also that not everyone was what they seemed on that show. And I thought it was cute because one of my favorite characters on that show, I did not like Blue. I thought he was super narcissistic. <laughs> Mac was too good for him. Wow. To be honest. But my favorite person on the show or imaginary characters were Mr. Harriman. I think that's just my inner Ravenclaw wanting order. And he always wants order, no chaos. And then the other one was Eduardo, who presents himself like as this giant purple scary monster. Mm, But he's like the sweetest thing. And I thought, wow, not everyone is what they seem. And if you give people the chance to get to know them, they'll show you a different side. Akita, if you like shows about found families, (laughs) you know a show you would like? (laughs) No, no, I don't know. I don't (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, yeah, I really love the idea of uh, especially children who aren't accepted by or not treated well by their parents or other people, realizing that they can find family and yeah. friends elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it was a little sad that a lot of the imaginary friends there, they were there because their kids outgrew them. So they were just... That's like, really depressing. But they, found, they, yes. but they found a family, which yes. is nice. They found yeah. a family within themselves, and people could go, like other kids can go and adopt them, so then they have yeah, a new so family. Sweet. Just sweet. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting concept. Because you never know what happens to, like, your imaginary friend when you're done having them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's... Okay. All right. All right. Then you'll just drew, drew a line across her She did, neck. like, that Undertaker thing. Oh, my God. Uh, right. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I don't know why that show yeah. reminds me of All Real Monsters. I know that's... I know it's not anything like it, but I guess just, like, all the little creatures. All the little monsters running around. But Next, yes, uh huh. So other shows will show that really, really resonated with me was Hey Arnold. Yeah, um, sing the theme song right now. Hey, hey Arnold. I am not a saxophone. Okay, <laughs> was it a saxophone that would make? I that have no sound? idea. I think it was. You can't sing it because there are no words. I think for me, one of the reasons I really loved the show, again, diverse cast. Um, well, not super diverse, but there are still more people of color in it than I was all like, the there's other a lot shows. of white people in that show. <laughs> there was a lot of white people. But the thing is that the show showed children that lived in a non-suburban environment. Mm-hmm. Um, they lived in the city. They were inner city kids. They were kids commuting from outside of the city. And I think... That for me, that was important because everywhere I went as an adult or like even growing up, everyone would always be like, oh my God, you're from the city. You must have grown up so fast. And I'm like, no, I just grew up with more common sense than you. Like, I don't know what to say. Now suburban kids grow up fast. (laughs) Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, I wasn't, none of us were doing half the shit that you guys were doing. Y'all are on some crazy shit. (laughs) But it's like this whole thing that if you grow up in this city environment, you take away your childhood, 
Um, you're not playing outside. It's not safe for you. And yes, in some instances, that is the truth. But overall, I think the life of me and the life of a lot of my friends and a lot of people I knew growing up has stayed the same. We still went outside and played. We still rode our bikes to each other's houses. We still... I mean, only thing I'd say was better was we had arcades and we could go to the Toys R Us in Times Square and play DDR. You weren't hanging out in Times Square. No. I did that every day. No, suburban kids were getting drunk and high way too early in life. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yikes. Um, It's crazy. Inner city kids don't do that. No, I think we don't do that because we see the repercussions of what can happen. (laughs) And we have things to do. That too. But I will say, watching this show, you were able to relate to a lot more of these characters, even though they did not necessarily look or act like you. Um, You were able to relate to the experiences they had. Like, for example, the episode that really stuck with me, and I think it's just because I'm the oldest was the episode with Helga and her older sister, Olga. Helga and Olga. Um, <laughs> they come from immigrant families. Helga is super, super neglected. And Olga, on the other side, has all this pressure from her family. It's because she's the oldest and she's about to go away to college. And there's one episode where her older sister is having a breakdown in front of her younger sister and saying, you are so lucky. Nobody cares about what you're doing because she has to work. She's got to help provide for the family. She's got to help. She's got to have all these good grades. And to her sister, Helga, she just presents as little Miss Perfect that her family loves and cherishes and cares about more than her but in reality like she's got all this weight and pressure on her and she just wants the opportunity to live that life that her younger sister has and I think I really related to that a lot and I've had a lot of pushback in my life is because I am the oldest child of immigrant family so there was a lot of pressure to go into a field or just like to have for one having straight A's always going to school Mm -hmm. I started working like my first job when I was 10 years old oh wow um I've worked ever since like not even that like just me telling my dad or telling my family I don't want to go into accounting or mathematics or any kind of non-creative career that was like the biggest shock to them because that's something that happens And that's something that you see a lot in a lot of immigrant families is like they raise their kids to be the best they can be, but also like make a lot of money and they kind of correlate your career in maths and sciences, accounting, all these things with how much you're making and how much work they've put into getting you to that, to that point. And I'm in fashion and it only took them until a few years to realize, wow, like I would say two, or three years ago, it was like, wow, you know, we're really proud of you. And I think that's a lot hearing your immigrant parents saying they're proud right. of you. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's I'm hard. I'm still when waiting. You're... Oh, I'm oh, not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, kind of. But no, it's just no, you're not. when they, when they see that you can be successful in a career that they hadn't, mm-hmm. cho- they haven't chosen for you and you're making money. It might not be good money, but you're making enough money that you can have a living. Right. And you live comfortably. Then that's when they realize, okay, you know, I did the best I could. You chose a different path. I'm proud of you and how hard you've worked and how far you've come. Right. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a common immigrant kid 
experience. What a layered show for children. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I love that show when I was a kid, and I think it's like, they they did a really good job, like, showcasing, like, families of, like, a lower income and still making everyone want to move to New York. <laughs> yeah, there was an episode. <laughs> I'm so sorry, cool I really loved this show, and I think I had rewatched all of it in college. There was an episode where there's one girl who's very, very, very rich, and her father, she's she's daddy's girl, essentially. Um, Rhonda, the character Rhonda, she was very rich. Her father ended up losing all of his stock, so they end up having to move to the poor side of quote-unquote New York City, because in New York City, you can turn a corner and just be in a different socioeconomic, like... Right. Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So they ended up moving into the... I don't know how to say it. I don't know what kind of house it was. So the house that Arnold's grandparents owned was like a boarding house. And her family moved in there. And she was just having a hard time adjusting. And it wasn't even her adjusting to the fact that she was poor. It's just her adjusting to the fact that poor people lived like this. And it wasn't, it's like, Arnold comes from an atypical family, yes, but he wasn't upset about the family situation he had. He came from a loving home. He always had food on the table. Like, by so many definitions, he was not poor. Me watching the show as a kid from the city, immigrant parents, I'm like, Arnold's not poor. He's pretty well adjusted. Like, he's just a regular kid, like you and me. And it shows disparity in how he kind of has to help her be like, this is how other people live. You have to live and respect it. Like, not everyone's going to have the luxuries that you have. I mean, his room was incredible. (laughs) Yes. But I don't know. That show was just, it was wonderful. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it even, I, I'm so sad, the show even dealt with emigration. Do you Do you guys remember? No. Um, it was one of the teachers. Do you, so they, I think it was in the movie, in the Hey Arnold movie, where he's looking for his parents, or maybe it was like right before that. Um, one of the teachers was a refugee and ended up having to give up his daughter so that way she would get someplace safe. That one was like, yeah, this show used to get really deep and it was surprising how deep it would get for a children's show that was so wildly popular. I don't want to say it was the Vietnam War, but it seemed like it at the time. Um, But he had a child and he ended up giving his child to the military or just like, you know, when they come just so that she knew she would have a better life. And then he eventually immigrated to America to teach and he had not, he isn't he said he thinks about her every day but oh he's heard or seen her. It's so sad. I'm like, did he find her? Ever? I really hope so, but I mean I I loved that everyone came from different walks of life and they tackled a lot on that show. They tackled there was fat phobia, there was just episodes about like humans being inherently evil when they had the pigeon man on it. Cool. So, uh, what about you, Danielle? Any other shows you really liked as a kid? I mean, I grew up on The Simpsons, so it would just be... What's that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I haven't watched it in an extremely long time, but again, we're talking about when we were kids. I mean, it's mm-hmm. 
it's one of the only shows I can remember that my family like watched together on Sunday nights, which is funny because like they're they're not an ideal family, but they do definitely love each other. Jenny, he chokes his son. I know, and it's <laughs> it's funny. It's supposed to be funny. The, oh yeah, it's uh, definitely messed up humor. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. I know. Uh, there's a lot, there's absolutely a lot wrong with the show. Um, again, if you can't tell, most of mine created a colorful childhood. Uh, ah! <laughs> but, I don't know. It's, it's just such a, it's just such a, like, I don't know, like, generational. It's pervasive. Like, yeah, yeah, like, it's this show that, like, inspired so many other shows like they mm-hmm. i mean some of them good some of them bad the future is my favorite show on tv so like um but other shows maybe aren't so good but um <laughs> um but it's just like th- there's so many like references to the simpsons that even if you haven't watched it most people understand it's just it just has been on for like 30 30- 40, how much? How long? 30 years? 100 years. Some, something completely <laughs> wild. It just like yeah, was, it just like was my childhood. Um, not being able to quote at least a little bit of The Simpsons kind of meant like you weren't with it, I guess. <laughs> oh, you weren't cool? <laughs> yeah, which is like a funny concept, right? It's like the fucking Simpsons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's not all I really care about saying about the Simpsons. I mean, if you okay. know what the Simpsons is, you know what the Simpsons is. And if you don't know what the Simpsons yeah. is, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's like you have to watch it. I'm just saying, like, that's kind of odd if you <laughs> yeah. don't at least know what this is. Anyway. Um, so another show that dealt with being cool or not cool uh, is Daria, which I loved as a kid. Um, it deals with, like, feelings of being unpopular and not accepted and not enough and kind of, like, having to, like, accept that it's okay to be yourself um, is mm-hmm. very, like, gothy and artsy. And that was, you know, who I was as a kid. Yeah. Um, also, like, the the main characters, Daria and Jane, weren't hyper-feminine. Not mm-hmm. that there's anything wrong with being hyper-feminine, it's just that they weren't. It also kind of, it was kind of cool because it showed, like, no matter what level of popular versus unpopular you were, you you had your own stuff and your own like mental anguishes that you dealt with, right? Um, it also showed a really um, strong bond of female friendship, although it obviously also shows like it also shows the tired female combativeness tropes, which is obnoxious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, the nineties. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did did either of you? But it's cool. Yeah, did either of you watch Daria? No, that's okay. No, but I did. I've seen like stuff around it and i've seen like her characterization which is pretty actually pretty unique yeah yeah but i just i loved it when it was on like the show that was their favorite show is called six sad world which is like about i don't know <laughs> it's like grotesque like i don't know what that is it's like it's like the, their favorite show to watch it's like i don't know did you i mean do you do you know beavis and butthead Yes. Yeah. Okay. Daria is like based is like a spinoff of Beavis and Butthead. Oh, okay. interesting. Yeah. We, I wasn't allowed to watch that. I mean, so I don't. I think that's probably why I couldn't watch Daria. That makes sense. <laughs> My to parents me. knew that. That makes sense to me. It's I'm fun. not out here telling anyone to go watch Beavis and Butthead, 
but <laughs> but it is <laughs> something I watched as a kid, and like it, yeah. it is funny because it does like like poke fun at like media in general. So I mm-hmm. do like those concepts of that show. Right. But. We have anything else? Um, I think the only other show that I really liked growing up, and it was a show that you know how you watch shows and they age with you, like. Mm-hmm. As Told by Ginger came out when I was a preteen, and I watched her also, like, we were preteens together at the same time, so right. she was, like, 11 to 13. And have Have either of you watched As Told by Ginger? No, I have, I've never even heard of it. <laughs> oh my god! It's such a cute show! But it basically follows this young girl... She's Ginger. Her name is Ginger. No! <laughs> Ginger Foutley... <laughs> and she's basically just your dorky girl trying to make way in life. She has braces. She wears baggy jeans, those long thermal shirts. Like, that's her. Um, in her head, she kind of wants to be popular. Not necessarily as popular as the other girl, but not, like, bottom of the totem pole. And she's friends with these two other girls, Macy and Dodie. And they're also super dorky. And they they do dorky things together, which is really cute. And I love... How, like, they, they were doing things in the show where, like, they're all of their mothers were like, you can't wear makeup. So they're all, we're like, well, it's not makeup, it's fake up. So oh they, like, God. put crushed fruits on their faces. Oh my God. <laughs> like, used yogurt as masks. And I was like, I'm going to do this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did not fucking work. I'm not no white. shit. So... so but i thought that it was a really cute show um in terms of importance for a strong female friend group growing up because Mm -hmm. yes they have had those typical tropes of like competitiveness between girls but i think the overall takeaway from the show was that these three girls were best friends there is nothing that you could do to stop them i think one of the episodes was (laughs) the seal girl episode (laughs) What's that? What is that? So one of their friends, I think it's Macy, who's really, really, she's she's cute. She wears glasses. She's short. She's got dark hair. And I think one of her favorite shows when she was younger was The Seal Girl. And The Seal Girl sings this really sad song. So for the show and tell or a talent show, she wanted to go on stage and sing the Seal Girl song. And everyone was like, girl, don't do this. Oh, <laughs> don't do no. it. And she went on and sang the song. And I could kind of sing it for you right now. If you hear it, please. I'm a little seal girl living in the real world. And it's so hard to get by. Because <laughs> seals can't even cry. <laughs> oh my god it is hard being a seal girl it's hard being a seal girl out there and at the end of the day even though they were like don't do it this is a bad idea she's out there on stage and you know what they were trying to like push it off and be like oh we can't this isn't okay and they came to support her in the end and i'm just like i think that was really important that's funny and i'm going to uh isolate you singing that song and put it somewhere (laughs) oh yeah can we can we just put it on our instagram like for yeah. the, this episode, just like I think so. Like I, I think so. Okay. I'm a little sea girl. Nope. Sea old girl living short in the and real stuff. No, nope. that's exactly what I thought she was singing, and I. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna hear. I was so. like, that's it's, not. Quite- it's a lot sadder, and she's in a giant seal costume too. 
That sounds amazing. Okay, so um, are there any honorable mentions? I'm I'm just gonna list mine off, but Jenny, I think you wanted to like say like a line about yours. Yeah, I just had a couple that um I wanna just say a single thing about. Um, for example, I can't I have to mention Jackie Chan Adventures because um that was about Jackie Chan and his her I think niece or great something like that. Niece. Yeah, niece who was a Asian American kid and obviously I identified with that. And Jackie Chan's just like an am- amazing character who like he he was like the standout Asian actor in media and was doing really cool stuff in comedy and action. Um so it was cool to see a cartoon based on that. Um and also Fairy Odd Parents was a really cool funny TV show that one was pretty really wacky um and also had pretty much a life lesson in every single episode which I really appreciated. That show uh, is and- great. Right? Isn't it? Yes. I love it. It's very funny. And um, uh, do you remember that song? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but sing it so that way we can put your, her song back to back with your song. <laughs> um, it was by Chip Skylark called My Shiny Teeth and Me. Do you remember that? <laughs> My Shiny Teeth and Me. Shiny remember Teeth, that? Shiny Teeth. <laughs> My shiny teeth that sparkle, just like the stars in space. My shiny <laughs> teeth that twinkle, bring beauty to my face. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. But anyway, that's a, that's a great show. And the oh last one God. I want to mention is Courage the Cowardly Dog, which was a really, actually really frightening show <laughs> that I feel like kids shouldn't have been watching. That show gave me nightmares every right? night. It was scary. <laughs> but- that was a show I would stay up late to watch and then... <laughs> Well, because it was I probably, couldn't watch TV. Oh my god, I'm getting flashbacks. I remember Return I, the Slab or oh my god. Suffer the Curse. I did definitely stay up watching cartoons like this. Um and I should have been supervised more. Um uh, but like he definitely taught you lessons about courage, and I really like that. No, he taught me lessons to leave them old people alone. Leave them. <laughs> Uh, Akira, do you want to list them off? Yeah, so a couple of my other favorites. Oh, sorry. I was going to ask you, Jenny, did you ever watch American Dragon? I mean, Jake Long, the American Dragon? I feel like I might have, but I can't remember. (laughs) Because I was like, it was a little later than Jackie Chan, but that was another like Asian American one. Um, But other shows that I really liked were... Well, for one, Dexter's Lab. Dee yes. was my shit. She was annoying, but like, <laughs> I was an annoying older sister. And, and she was pink. And <laughs> and she was pink and did ballet like I did. Um, but also, I thought it was fun that healthy competition between Dexter and his enemy. But like, also, Scooby Doo was one that I really loved. Fun show to watch growing up uh also the wild thornberries that i could go on forever about the wild thornberries and how it kind of broke gender roles with eliza thornberry like being this girl that can talk to animals and the parents being like sorry are are men usually the ones who talk to animals or like what (laughs) i don't she just wasn't a typical girl like her sister debbie (laughs) debbie is ridiculous 
Okay. And so was Johnny. But um, on top of that, like Danny Phantom, I loved that show. Uh, Pokemon, yeah. of course, on, classic. On, on, on. Uh, what else there? Tom and Jerry. That is a show that I will say has not all the episodes have aged really well. But I will give credit to the studio for going back and apologizing and like kind of prefacing prefacing it like this is not who we represent now. This is what it is as opposed to just hiding it and present pretending like it never happened. So I really respect the studio more for doing that than them just saying, well, it was a product of their time. Um, also, cow and chicken. <laughs> I don't know what that I is. So, <laughs> let me guess. Let me guess. It was about a chicken called cow and a cow called chicken. No, it was a brother and sister. One was a cow and one was a chicken. Yeah, that makes more sense yeah, than there, what there I said. Cat dogs, for sure. The cat and a dog fused as one. Of course, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. And then there was also Animaniacs yes. and Samurai Jack. Wait, so do you like Animaniacs game. more or Pinky in the Brain more? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you didn't expect that. <laughs> Um, um, Animaniacs. <laughs> okay, let's go with Animaniacs. <laughs> I love them both. Yeah. Can't make me pick my favorite child. <laughs> and then, what about you, Danielle? Wait, and then your last one. I talked over you. I apologize. Oh, it's okay. Oh, Samurai Jack. I I really enjoyed that show. I don't think I ever got to see how it ended, but I played that game online. There used to be a game for it on Cartoon Network that you could play, and I was like on it all the time. Yeah. When I finally was able to have unsupervised internet time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, I left this off my, off my list, but I watched Cowboy Bebop when I was pretty young, and that shit, so good. Uh, I'm super excited for I the still, show that's coming I still want to watch it. Whew, I, I will wanna, rewatch I it, it episode, episode for episode with you, if you want to. Okay. I'm so excited by the casting for the... It's on net, It's coming out on Netflix, right? The live action. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Looney Tunes, Tiny Tunes, Ren and Stimpy, because apparently everything from my youth had to be a little bit violent uh, <laughs> in terms of cartoons. <laughs> um, just like anything having to do with with Ducktales and like Scrooge McDuck and Darkwing Duck, which I'm still in love with, and like I still have friends who will send me Darkwing Duck things and. My nickname, the only nickname I had as a kid that I like drew on my name tag was Darkwing Duck because the DW, Daniel Ward. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nice. Also based on Batman. Um, yep. Yeah. Invader Zim came out when I was a little bit older, but that would have been when you guys were kids. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Doug, Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, Any of those like Nick to, uh, yeah, Nickelodeon shows. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh. On a side note, do any of you remember Two Stupid Dogs? No. No, what the fuck is oh that? Oh my god! Remember Angry Beavers? <laughs> yes, I remember Angry Beavers. <laughs> I actually yeah, I feel like I watched universe. a lot of TV now fuck. looking back. Yeah, I mean, it's like I'm remembering things like as we're talking. Yeah, but. I'm remembering like Looney Tunes in general. Yes. I, I just remembered. Yeah. I remember. Oh, Tiny Tunes. Yeah. But do what? you remember the song? <laughs> no. I just want to remember it. What is it? We're tiny, we're toony, we're all the little loony. <laughs> yes, it's we're tiny, we're toony, we're all a little loony. I don't know. Oh. Although so I think DuckTales like is that. one of the catchiest. Uh, DuckTales and Gummy Bears are two of the catchiest. Freaking like, DuckTales like, DuckTales, woo! Woo! <laughs> 
and gummy bears like gummy bears. <laughs> like, look, just look it up. It's super. This anyway. is our singing oh episode. <laughs> Most of the shows that we have talked about were not when we were little tiny kids affecting our like uh, mental development, but there are right. two things I wanted to name that actually are from when I was super small. One of them is I, I used, I would watch Tex Avery cartoons. Do you know who Tex Avery is? No. Uh, he, he put out a lot of cartoons, like I think from like the twenties to like the eighties. He did, but, uh, <laughs> 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 but it's like, I, I don't know. Uh, they're like, I mean, I have not rewatched any since then, and they're probably all super problematic. But as a little kid, I they were like my jam. Um, like, have you ever seen like Red Hot Riding Hood? It's, it's, nope. It's like about like Red Riding Hood, like in a nightclub, and there's like the big bad what? wolf is like eyeballing oh, her. Yikes. It's oh yeah, it's oh no. This is what I got in my childhood, man. Be happy for what you get now, children. Be happy for what you get now. <laughs> um, and then my the uh, my my favorite cartoon when I was a kid was called Will Quack Quack, which uh-huh. <laughs> is uh-huh. about um slow little duck Will Will Quack Quack, and he would go on adventures uh, with his sense. friends uh, <laughs> into town, and he had he definitely had severe anxiety, uh, <laughs> and he would go into like the shopkeepers store and like ask for different candy and he would make the shopkeeper who was a pig go up and down the ladder a bunch to get the different candies uh and it made me learn to respect retail employees at a very young age um (laughs) so i feel that this show taught me how to have anxiety and respect other people because well quack quack even as a child i knew was very rude (laughs) 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 and that was what we all watched as uh children (laughs) yeah Nice. I, mean, I watched apparently way more, but you know, I didn't realize that until now. Yeah, I watched a lot of stuff, but we took can't kind of fit it all in one episode. This is no. yeah, this is but, this is like one of our earlier episodes where it's super long. So enjoy. Well, thanks so much for listening. Please take a moment to subscribe, review, and rate us. That way we know you love us like we love you. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I like being creepy. Um, it's the easiest way to help support our podcast. This week's review comes from Chrysanthemum on iTunes. I love this podcast. Fandom and wellness addresses important mental health issues in my favorite movies and TV shows, which I find very unique. I don't know of any other podcast that does this. The hosts are funny personable, feeling like friends after just one episode. So far, the cast of guests has been very diverse. I look forward to every episode. Thank you! Yeah, thanks. And if you want to chat with us about the episode, our social medias are Fandom and Wellness on Instagram, Fandom and Wellness on Facebook, and Fandom Wellness on Twitter. You can also find me at Classy Rebel Design on Instagram, and you can find me at the Box of Shadows on Instagram. And you can find me at Little Petal on Instagram. And if you want bonus content, you can join our fandom family at patreon.com slash fandom and wellness for Patreon exclusive geek sessions. I just posted the LeakyCon uh panel that okay. Danielle did um about Harry Potter 
Hogwarts houses and mental health. Yeah, and that has um, Becky from the Pink Samurai on it. It has uh, Jane Burson on it, and it has Amber from Galaxy Gear Boutique on it. And remember, be kind and take no shit. Yay! Yay! Yes!